Welcome to another podcast about 12 plus 1 Wisdom Fires. I'm sitting here with Danny, Helen and Frank in our beautiful kitchen in Dorn. And um, today we would talk a bit more about what we call the one mind or universe or absolute truth or God, whatever name you want to give it. Um, And the prompt that we have for that is coming from Mark Gober's book, uh, The End to Upside Down Living. And what he is suggesting is that when we mentally align ourselves with the one mind slash universe, spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, the one mind works through us cleanly. The first step is to acknowledge its existence and also our part of it as a whirlpool in the stream. Most of our society hasn't gotten there. Perhaps the more aligned we are, the more easily the will flows through us as its vehicle. And maybe that's why highly awakened individuals feel like they aren't doing anything, but that doing is happening through them. When we aren't in that state, our individual self slash ego slash mind somehow obstructs the flow of the one mind's will, which is which is oneness, universe, or God. What are you making of this? Well, first of all, thank you for bringing this up. Because for, for me personally, this is actually core business of life. This is connecting to life in all its form. And one of the, the things you said... Uh, to start is getting yourself out of the way. This is one of the most difficult things there is. Especially for our ego minds or my ego mind because my ego mind helped me to survive, get control of everything and see everything because then I can make some picture of it of which I know it's not going to be correct because it's my mind that's making the picture. Yeah, and even building stronger on this one, when you start thinking about how limited our perception of the reality actually is, mm -hmm. we only see a fraction of the, of the whole light spectrum. When you think about what animals actually can see in the ultraviolet, in the infrared, but there is so much more in this whole spectrum of frequency that we can't see. Just starting with this, it's a real invitation to actually become truly humble about How much of reality are we really perceiving? I like this example I once heard about a woman and she was sharing about that we were only seeing just a little bit. And she said, well, you could compare it with um, a really big warehouse. And there, there you have several floors. And on every floor there is like one specific item. Like uh, the first floor there is only furniture. But there's not only the furniture you know, but there's like all kinds of things we've never seen of furniture. And then the second floor is about maybe clothing and not clothes we know, but also colors and shapes we've never ever seen before. And she says, so the warehouse is built like this. And when we enter this warehouse, we just have a little flashlight and we only see 
where we put our flashlights. So we only see a little bit of this whole warehouse. So I really love this uh, comparison because it's like you understand in a way what what more is possible or how much we only can see because of our little flashlight. That's how we see our life. That's the only part we we really um, are aware of in this moment. Yeah, for me, the sentence in what you quoted out of my Gober's book that really nails it is the one that says, most of our society hasn't gotten there yet. And I believe that is, in essence, the heart of the matter. And that is that the crises that we are currently experiencing has at the root a self-awareness crisis. We have globally a fundamental lack of self-awareness of many people, leaders in particular. And that is the departure point, you know, getting to a point of awareness that there is more than just the self and also the insight that, in fact, we are living conditioned behavior as a consequence of unawareness about our conditioning is, is where it all starts, this journey. And... If you would have talked to me like this, like 20 years ago, I would have said, what do you mean I don't have awareness? What do you mean I don't understand the reality? I know what it's all about. It's about having a good career, making money, buying a house, having a relationship, having children, and then I will ever live, uh, live happily ever after. I would have said, what do you mean by that? And I have come also a really long way in realizing how many stories I'm actually telling myself and that those stories, and this could be just simply a story of like, I'm a good driver and everybody else is a bad driver. And then sitting in the car and getting mad at everybody else and thinking everybody else is messing up behalf of me. I think we all know the phenomena that we think we are fantastic drivers and the rest is just abysmal. It starts with that, but it goes even further. It goes with more subtle messages, as you say, with the conditioning that we experienced. I was always told that I was dominant. I was always told that I was weird. And I started believing those stories. And so I started making something of it and I started integrating into myself and I started acting accordingly to it because I wanted to prove everybody else out there that I wasn't dominant and that I wasn't weird. So I started creating my little warp reality that had absolutely nothing to do with this absolute reality that we all live in. Yeah, so in answer to your question, um, in one of our uh, leadership engagements recently somebody shared his confusion about being in that uh, decent job making money um, paying the bills the mortgage the children going to school and all the rest of it and yet the painful um, awareness that the job is part of a constellation that is getting us nowhere yeah so he's working for a company that is producing stuff or delivering services in a way that is not sustainable and has to be fundamentally rethought. So there's also the increased awareness that, you know, in, in line with what you say about one mind, uh, uh, you can't throw things away. We are connected to it all. It's, it's, we are part of it all. 
Yes, I think also a really big important part of what you're sharing is it's a structure that we think in. But leaving that structure alone, even if you think, okay, I'm going to take a nice job, get my family, get the house and everything. But are you questioning yourself if you can think outside this pattern? Because then it gets scary. Because then the land where you're going is unknown. And this makes a huge difference. So my counter question is, are you allowing yourself to think broader than this? And how does that feel to you? Because if you're in peace and aligned with the bigger thing, is my observation in, in myself and what I see around me, there's way more peace. If something new or another perspective comes, there's way more peace and ability to listen on more levels. What is really being said? What is really being asked? What are we really working on as individuals? I like this question. And at the same time, usually we start asking ourselves these questions when we hit a wall. When we get ill or when we are losing our job or when something's really happening to us. Then we start questioning why, what, what's happening, why I'm here. So I think everybody has this question of um, being at peace or um, feeling connected to everything. But as soon as we start like living in this, how do you call it? It's this treadmill or this <laughs> red race or whatever we call it. It's like we're forgetting about those questions. But the moment we are hitting the, this wall, it's happening. And I sometimes really... I'm not loving the wall, but it's helpful. The wall is helpful. Yeah, it connects with something I read the other day, that apparently societally we don't feel enough pain, we still experience too much comfort to uh, entertain these kinds of very fundamental questions. Change is painful. That's what it's about. Um, and uh, about the wall... I feel what we all feel from time to time, sometimes stronger, sometimes less, is when we tap into the one mind, the oneness, the universe, God. We feel what it's made of. And what it's made of is actually unconditional love. So love in itself doesn't become an emotion in that sense. We might feel all the uh, emotions that are contributing to that sense of love, which is warmth, which is joy, which is inclusiveness, which is wishing the other one well, all of these good feelings. But the quality itself of unconditional love is actually a signature of the universe, of the one mind of God. And that in itself is also very contradictory to our conventional beliefs. I mean, I'm coming out of a Christian tradition, and it was all about hell, fire, and damnation. If you would not abide, uh, abide the, the law of God, there was nobody really talking about unconditional love. Well, Jesus was, to some extent, and he, I feel what he said was a very essential piece that I was able to also find back in other religions, which is don't do to others what you don't want to be done to yourself. 
Yeah, and then the question, of course, is which others? And the image that immediately springs up is uh, when I was a small boy and I saw a car in front stopping in front of a traffic light, the door of the driver opening and emptying his ashtray. And um, this image came back a couple of years back in conversation with Simeon Timpont, a sailor who took uh, water samples of the ocean at the southern hemisphere at the place the furthest removed from where people live. And even there you could find concentrations of microplastics in ocean water. And so uh, this uh, idea that in some shape or form we can keep our car clean and what happens outside the car is not going to affect us or we can throw plastic and other rubbish away and it's not going to affect us is a misconception. Because everything is connected, it will come back to haunt us. I'm not sure it's going to haunt us. Well, the plastic might do. But it's also teaching us exactly what you're saying. It's teaching us, it's reaching every corner of the world. That means it is one world. There's immense beauty in this lesson. And I noticed in myself, as soon as I find this switch, that I can actually love the plastic, something else happens in me. And I'm getting closer to what I, what we might call the oneness. And I can listen on different levels. I literally can feel my hairs rising now because it's just happening. And that's so important. Because then, first of all, I allow the thought of something, there is something bigger than I am. And second, I'm willing to follow it. Because the beauty, the heartfelt warmth, the connection I feel with it is unbelievable. And it's like like our friendship, if I may say so. It touches my heart. That makes it worth living for. Having the experience of feeling so much love is just incredible. One step further even, there's deep silence, really deep silence. It's deafening. It's really deafening. And that's the moment I try and shut up because whatever I say, I know it's going to happen. Huge responsibility. But also the pressure of responsibility falls away because it's just there. And me more or less checking myself if I'm still in surrendering is the only thing. And then all of a sudden words come. And most of the time they're magical. Something is, there's literally love in the words. There's energy in the words. And it becomes one. Huge difference. Reminds me of the last week we did um, a workshop and we were with a group of about 30 people. And we started talking about this wholeness and oneness, but in a different way. Um, we, re- we reminded them of something in themselves and suddenly the, the room was changing and the people were changing. It was very, very silent, very quiet. And it was like the, <laughs> the whole place was becoming like a sweat lodge. People were really 
feeling like their hearts, feeling the fire in their hearts. And you were, Danny was really um, saying what was happening and it became even more, it became even more more strong or more tangible. Um, those moments we are longing for. We are longing for this deep connection. We are longing for this deep um, feeling of t- being together, not only with people, but also with nature, with everything. And that's what, when we, when we touch this for the first time, it's like an addiction. And I think this is a really good addiction because this will help us starting to listen and this will help us in our decisions. This will help us on every single level. But this is something we have to see how we, how we get there. And we only get there when we are together. Sometimes we can feel it by ourselves, but it's even way stronger when we come together with a group of people. Like we're sitting here and we start talking about this, something is changing, something is happening, it gets tangible, you can feel it in your heart, you can feel it in your body, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, I recognize that. And coming back to what Danny said, seeing both light and darkness in every moment, huh? uh, that's what I believe real wisdom is. Um, and uh, building on what you said, uh, Helen, um, we had a dinner conversation uh, last Sunday with somebody who is at that threshold. She feels she wants to do some work in this space, but is still con- afraid of what she will discover. And this comes back to uh, which reality do we see? Our reality is one where we are slightly further uh, down this journey and understand how valuable it is and how much of value this could be for other people. But there are still so many people who are either totally unaware or at this threshold uh, grappling with the question whether they're courageous enough to jump. Huh? <laughs> and to be very clear, I don't think that we are enlightened yet e- either. <laughs> it's just maybe we are starting to uh, grasp a little bit more about that. Okay, maybe there is a frequency that we haven't heard before and accepting that reality that there is a frequency that we haven't heard before. Um, so... Bringing it together, I really loved what Danny said about the ocean and the microplastics. So love it what you brought, Frank, in there. And then Helen building on it, like how much we actually uh, long for this connection, but also the silence that's in there. When you said silence, I was like, I don't want to say anything anymore because I want to enjoy the silence right now. <laughs> but okay, it's a podcast. So I thought, okay, let's, let's try to wrap it up. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's not very enchanting. <laughs> so um, to wrap it up for our listeners, um, we might not like the teachers that come along that teach us as the microplastic that we can detect in the far ocean. And in it, there is a wonderful teaching, a great, wonderful truth that nothing is ever separated. So even though we perceive ourselves being separated from the one mind, the oneness, the universe, the God, the unconditional love, we are not. We are actually part of it. 
So with these words, I want to close out uh, the podcast for today and uh, check out all the other episodes that we have recorded and the next one is coming. So stay tuned and thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> thank you for being. Thank you for listening. 